morning. How y'all doing today? Now nah, you can do a little better than that. Good morning. Let's try that again. All right. That's not too bad. All right. Not too bad for a snowy, I don't know what, COVID crazy Sunday that we have here today. Um, but seriously, thanks for coming out this morning. And uh, boy, it's just great to see your faces or at least uh, the better part of your faces and to celebrate, sing together and to just, you know, look at this new year, maybe through some new lenses. Uh, so happy, uh, happy new year. Turn to somebody near you and just say happy new year real quick. All right. Let's kind of get that. All right. Very good. Um, so I have to ask, how many of you um, have already blown a New Year's resolution? No judgment. Okay, we've got at least one person that admitted it. The rest of you I know probably have, but just chose not to admit it. Um, people have a lot of different feelings and thoughts about New Year's resolutions, I know. Let me just ask, how many of you would say, I love making them? I love making them. Like four people. Okay, is there like peer pressure not to like them? Maybe? Okay, I don't know. I, I came across a list of the top 10 New Year's resolutions, okay? Top 10 New Year's resolutions. That was pretty much what you would expect, okay? Included were resolutions like read more, all right? Lose weight, learn a new skill or hobby. But can anybody guess what was the number one New Year's resolution on this list? Number one most common New Year's resolution. Anybody? You can, you can chat it out. We don't have as many people here today. It's all right. Anybody? Go to the gym? You're very, very close. Almost spot on. I got to give it to you, I think. All right. It's exercise more. Okay. Who has made that resolution and broke it before they even started? Okay. Yeah. A few of us have done that too. Uh, how many of you just don't like them at all? And you're actually even a little bit upset that I'm even talking about it right now. <laughs> okay. A few of you would admit that too. Um, I don't want anyone to be left out. So I found some resolutions that I think all of us might actually feel good about, okay? For example, how about this resolution, all right? Wake up before noon on the weekends. Some of you are like, no, not a chance. I don't, I, th I think I could actually succeed on that one, all right? Or how about this one for you overachievers, okay? Uh, become the goat of sarcasm, all right? I would say you could try, but you'll have to, you'll have to actually beat our very own Lizzie Cho in order to be the goat of that. No, was that not nice? I'm sorry. It's not really true. Okay, I'm kidding. All right, or how about this resolution, right? To live my best life by only buying pants with no buttons or zippers. Sweatpants, kind of liking that one? All right, you have to think about that one for just a minute, right? But what lies behind New Year's resolutions, I think, is a, a genuine heartfelt sort of desire to remake or reinvent ourselves into something new yet they often end up to be just one more thing that we have to strive for or feel stressed out about or maybe even cause us to feel like a failure. Am I right? All right, but what if, all right, kind of stay with me here, okay? What if we made a resolution for 2022 that was different? I mean, what if there was a resolution that could actually lead us to flourish? Uh, what if there was one that we could look back on, okay, a few months from now and think, you know, that resolution actually made a difference? Are you kind of maybe buying into this a little bit more? I mean, what if in 2022 we resolved to become more and more like Jesus? Okay, now, now I know what you're thinking. That's what you would expect to hear in church today, right? But, but stay with me on this, okay? Because today we're starting a brand new series, Becoming More Like Jesus, and let me start by telling you what this series is not about, okay? It's not about striving, 
Okay, it's not about trying harder. It's not about doing more, more prayer, more Bible reading, even though those are very good activities that I would encourage all of us to engage in. Of course, this series, though, is truly about being open to the work of the Holy Spirit, who more than anything else wants to deeply form you and me and us collectively as a community into the image of Jesus himself. And while this series is not about striving, I think this series is going to be super challenging. Because see, the way Jesus lived is just a whole lot different than the way many of us live, myself included. I mean, I think so many of us find ourselves living at a, at a pace that eliminates any chance to just really rest and, and simply be in the presence of God. I mean, our lives are so often characterized by emotional distress and, and dysfunction. And, and too many of us, I think, just live in a way that is no different, really, than those who aren't following Jesus. And I'm not talking about, you know, doing more good things and fewer bad things, okay? What this is about is realizing that you can be committed to the external activities of Christianity without truly being transformed by Jesus. Does that kind of make sense? You can be committed to the external activities of Christianity without being deeply formed by Jesus. Author Rich Velotis uh, wrote a great book. I would encourage you, if you haven't picked this book up, really, really good, Deeply Formed Life. You can get it anywhere books are sold. Deeply Formed Life. I don't get any commission for saying that. It's just a great book. He says this, instead of being deeply formed, we settle for being shallowly shaped. Think about that. Instead of truly being deeply formed, we settle for simply being shallowly shaped. And I think that's what it means when I talk about just like being committed to these external activities of Christianity without really being deeply transformed by Jesus. And so this series really is a call to a transformed way of being. I mean, to become like Jesus, because the truth is this. See, God is not interested in transforming just a few aspects of your life, maybe some areas of your life, and leaving the other areas untouched. No, his desire, folks, is to genuinely transform every aspect of your life. Now, I don't know, maybe that sounds scary to some of you. I don't know how that hits you exactly, but I hope and pray that you will go with us in this series and just see what happens. Just, I dare you to just take the chance. The Apostle Paul put it this way, God's desire is to transform us so that Christ is formed in you. So that Christ is literally formed in us. And so as we start this new year and this new series, let's ponder this question, okay, right here. If Jesus were to make resolutions for 2022, what resolutions might he make? All right, if Jesus were to make resolutions for 2022, what resolutions might he make? Interesting, huh? You know, I, I called Jesus and asked him, and here's what he told me, okay? I'm kidding. Um, but Jesus, I mean, and here's what I want you to remember. See, Jesus is our example for what it means to truly be human. Did you know that? He was actually called the Son of Man. He is our example of what it looks like to live this life to its full, right? He is what it, was, what it meant to be fully human. So when we look at him, we can say, okay, that's what it looked like to really live life the way life was intended to be lived. And so I think his first resolution might be this. I think his first resolution might be to slow down. Maybe not what you thought I was going to say, huh? Slow down. <laughs> it's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, I don't have to tell you, we live in a crazy fast world. I mean, most of us are masters of multitasking. You have already multitasked in so many ways probably already today. I mean, who here hasn't taken the bus or the L to work while eating breakfast and texting a coworker all at the same time? Anybody? 
Of course you have. All of us have. Who hasn't watched TV while trying to complete a work assignment or a school assignment? All of us have. Who hasn't checked their email while pretending to listen to a friend or coworker or family member? All of us do that. Many of us live, I don't, I don't think as human beings, but as human doings. I mean, we're pulled in so many different directions and there never seems to be enough time in the day. And some of us actually convince ourselves that we thrive on this busyness. But you know what? When I look at the life of Jesus, he didn't live that way. And if he's our example of what it means to live fully human, we gotta look at that. In fact, during some of his busiest times in his life, when people and opportunities were coming at him from all sorts of directions, he makes the choice to slow down. If you look at the very beginning of his ministry, I mean, momentum was building like crazy at a feverish pace. His miraculous healing of a man who had leprosy created a huge, huge buzz. And, and Jesus just tries to kind of keep things under the wraps, all right? But Luke, the doctor and historian, says this. He says, the news about Jesus spread all the more. Even though Jesus was kind of trying to keep it under the wraps, not let things get too crazy, crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. So he's getting more and more popular. I mean, his, his notoriety is expanding. So what does Jesus do? Does he jump on Instagram to kind of expand his platform, you know, and, and ride this new wave of publicity? Does he uh, pull an all-nighter so that he can make sure his message gets out to every person and, and heal every disease in the crowd? No. No. Luke continues, Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I mean, that's so counterintuitive, isn't it? I mean, he didn't leverage everything that seemed to be going in the right direction, like up and to the right, up and to the right, right? We got to take advantage of that. We got to leverage that. No, instead it says he withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. I mean, think about it. When anybody else would pour fuel on the fire, Jesus steps away. He slows down. Do me a favor, right? Just take a deep breath in, okay? Doesn't that feel good? He slows down. New Testament scholar R.T. France writes this. He says, Jesus will not permit himself to be defined by the people or be so occupied as to be cut off from the source of his power. He knew he needed to slow down to get access and tap into his power. He spent time in solitude with God. And you know, reading this about Jesus it reminded me of a season in my own life. And uh, interestingly enough, I was about the same age as Jesus. That may be the only ways we were very much alike, but I was about 30, and uh, at that time, our church, you know, was new and young and growing fast, and I mean, I was super ambitious, and about that time, I discovered that a sort of mentor of mine that I admired from a distance was actually going to be moving into town not far from me, just a couple of miles away, and so I was not going to let that opportunity pass me by, and so when I found out that he moved in, I literally welcomed him at his home with a fresh baked pie from a local bakery. I'm sure the guy was thinking, oh my goodness, I got a stalker now. Get away from me. But uh, truth is, uh, I just couldn't wait to get to know him. And in the months that followed, we had some just great conversations, really meaningful, helpful stuff. I will always be grateful for his investment in me. But there was one talk that I will never forget. Uh, we met at this place. It was called the Round the Clock Restaurant in Wheaton. It's in the suburbs when we lived out there. And it was a total dive, greasy spoon place. Hadn't been redecorated since like 1965. The, the only thing that I liked was they had these old black and white photos of, of uh, Chicago Blackhawks from like the 70s, Stan Makita, Tony Esposito, people like that. And, and I mean, on this day, I was stressed. I was hurried, which was pretty typical for me back then. 
And I was telling uh, Gary, that was his name, about my pace and how I just didn't know how I was going to keep this up. And he, and he looked me in the eye and he says this, he says, um, or asks me, he says, um, he says, John, when do you slow down and hear from God? When do you slow down and hear from God? And I mean, like you could hear a pin drop. Suddenly it was like we were the only two people in the restaurant. It was such a dive. We may have been the only two people in the restaurant. But I mean, there was silence. I, I didn't have an answer. And then he said to me, he said, John, you know what? Uh, read Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Read Isaiah 30, verse 15. And um, I must have had a Bible because we didn't have smartphones, I don't think, at that time. And so I opened it up and I read it. And here, I want you to do the same. Okay, so if you have a smartphone, just real quick, I want you to kind of experience what I experienced. I don't want, we're not going to put it on the screen yet, okay? But look up Isaiah 30, 15. If you have a Bible app, use that. If you, actually, if you just Google Isaiah 30, 15, you'll find it. So you don't even need to have a Bible app. But if you have a smartphone, um, I'll show it to you in just a minute, but I want you to experience what I experienced. So I'm in this season of stress and, and like going like crazy. And he says, you know, when do you slow down to hear from God? He says, look at this passage. And this is the prophet Isaiah. And I want you, don't, don't read it out loud. Just read it to yourself real quick. Read those words, okay? Go ahead and put it on the screen if you want to, Andrew. I will never forget that conversation. He didn't have to say a word. That just like hit me right between the eyes. Here is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. That's where you're gonna find life. In repentance and rest, in turning to God and resting in him, that's where you're gonna find life. That's where you're gonna experience what it means to be fully human. In quietness and trust. And God is your strength. That's, <laughs> that's how you're gonna grow. I mean, that was, that was a defining moment. I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm still, still learning and still growing in that area, but that's become sort of a life verse for me, a constant reminder to slow down, to be quiet, and to rest in the presence of God. And if I could have the, the, the last 20 years over again, I would focus much more on this. Much more on this. I don't know, maybe you feel like rest is almost impossible, though. Uh, maybe quietness is something you only experience when your head hits the pillow at night, but you're too exhausted to actually even enjoy it at that moment. But could it be, just, just entertain this for a moment, could it be that slowing down is the very thing that your soul cries out for more than anything else? Is it possible? That moments of slowing down and resting in the presence of God is something your soul cries out for more than you would care to admit. Author and pastor Wayne Cordero says, sometimes we get so busy rowing the boat. Tell you what, everybody just do this with me for a minute, okay? All right. Sometimes we get so busy rowing the boat, we don't take time to stop and see where we're going or what we're becoming. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? And perhaps the resolution that Jesus is calling you to make in this new year is to slow down, to stop running after everything and everyone and simply be still. All right, this leads us to the second resolution. All right, I think Jesus would also call us to pursue solitude in 2022. Solitude. And, and you know, solitude is much more than a, a passive withdrawal. You see, solitude 
is an intentional response to a busy, noisy world. It's, it's a willingness to stand firm against the barrage of texts and notifications just begging for our attention 24-7, right? And see, Jesus had a regular practice of taking time alone in solitude with the Father. Uh, in, in his book about Jesus' life, Mark writes this. He describes a practice that was a pattern in Jesus' life. And here's how he describes it. He says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Isn't it interesting how descriptive that is? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If anybody didn't need to do this, you would think it'd be Jesus, right? But what does he do? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, I know that sounds a little bit painful for some of us. If you catch it at the right year, right after a time change, it might not be so bad. But Jesus got up, left the house. There was a place he went to, a solitary place where he prayed. This practice of solitude was a priority for Jesus. And all the demands around him didn't deter him. As a matter of fact, the busier he got, the more he withdrew. Jesus chose to get away and connect with his father because he knew it was in that place of solitude that his soul would be strengthened. It was in these lonely places that the father, through the Holy Spirit, would pour his love and peace and strength into his soul. And I know we've got all sorts of hurdles to solitude. There are friends to see, there's work to get done, right? And an endless barrage of noteworthy, noteworthy distractions. But like Jesus, if we will put ourselves in places that will give the Father through the Spirit the opportunity to pour his love and peace and strength into our souls, I think we'll be blown away by what what God does through those moments. Uh, Rich Velotis, the author of that book that I showed you earlier, Deeply Formed, encourages connecting with God in solitude through what he calls silent prayer. And I don't know if you have any uh, piece of paper or pen. You might want to write some of these things down or maybe take the notes app out on your phone. But he talks about silent prayer. And he says silent prayer is a place to be with God and to hear from him more than him hearing from us. Does that make sense? Silent prayer is about us hearing from God more than it is God hearing from us us and Belotus offers some really practical advice how to lean into silent prayer. I thought this was super helpful so I'd encourage you to remember these or write them down. First he says focus on relationship in silent prayer. You know that sitting still that counts as prayer. I don't know I I feel like I have to feel the air like to to talk always have something no silence counts. (laughs) Focus on relationship don't get hung up on doing it right Silent prayer, he says, is a technique not to master, but a relationship to foster. It's not a technique to master, but a relationship to foster. He says, just fix your heart and mind on the presence of God. Next, he says, normalize boredom. I think this was my favorite, normalize boredom. See, silent prayer can feel uneventful, maybe even boring. All right, but, but, but stay with me on this, okay? What if boredom is the very space in which we give God the chance to do his best work? What if boredom is the very place in which we give God his best chance to do his best work in us? You know, when my kids were little, sometimes, um, like little kids often do, they would say, oh, I'm just bored. I'm bored. Mom, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. I know none of you ever said that, right? I never said that. Of course not. My wife was really good at always saying, oh, that's awesome. You're about to make a great discovery. You can imagine how much they loved that response. (laughs) But it did occur to me, I wonder if maybe it's when we're bored with God that we're about to make a great discovery, to have a real spiritual breakthrough. 
What if we kind of reframed the boredom that sometimes we, we experience in those silent moments with God and said, you know what, maybe I'm about to experience a breakthrough. Maybe God's about to do his best work because I'm being sort of bored with him. So when it comes to solitude, focus on relationship, normalize boredom. And then lastly, the third one is this, reframe distractions. Reframe distractions. You know, sometimes we feel defeated, don't we? I am king of distraction or prince of distraction. Got to be in the top two for sure. Uh, man, you know, my mind wanders in a million directions, right? Who here can relate to that? Do you, doesn't that happen to you? Absolutely. I love what Thomas Keating says. He says, if your mind gets distracted 10,000 times in 20 minutes, it's 10,000 opportunities to return to God. That's pretty cool, isn't it? If your mind gets distracted 10,000 times in 20 minutes, it's 10,000 times or 10,000 opportunities to return to God. See, being formed in the image of Jesus is holy and hard work, but I believe it's in solitude that the Father speaks to us and strengthens us. It's in solitude that Jesus reminds us we are loved. It's in solitude that the Spirit guides us and transforms us. Author and spiritual director Ruth Haley Barton writes this. She says, solitude's primary function is to settle us into ourselves in God's presence. Solitude's primary function is to settle us into ourselves in God's presence. The chaos of the human soul will settle if it sits still long enough. And I don't think we sit still long enough. So we rest, we pursue solitude, and that leads us to the third Jesus-inspired resolution. Uh, what if this year we resolved to struggle? And you're thinking, okay, I got that one down. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all good right there, okay? Uh, you know, this, the, the phrase, the struggle is real, we're all familiar with that. It usually relates to like how we kind of mock first world problems like your battery running out on your new iPhone or not getting free uh, d delivery from something you just purchased on Amazon, right? We, we laugh at how much we get bent out of shape from those minor challenges. I ordered something from a store like three days ago and I'm like getting all anxious and angry that it's not here yet. I'm calling them, where's my package? Like, seriously. <laughs> but the struggle I'm talking about here is something quite different. Uh, and, and this struggle is revealed in moments when becoming like Jesus feels impossible. It's revealed in moments when, when becoming like Jesus feels impossible. Um, for me, it can be those times when I want to be super generous, but I also desire the comfort and security that I feel like I've earned or deserved. Anybody else relate to that? Like, I want to be generous, but I also, you know, I've, I've worked hard, right? It's when I want to be quiet and still in the presence of God, but feel the urgency of what I know is an overflowing inbox. It's when I want to be patient and lean into a conversation with a friend, but another part of me just can't wait to put my earbuds on and tune everybody and everything out at the same time. The struggle is real when I want to extend grace and forgiveness to someone who has hurt me, but another part of me just cannot wait to get even. Anybody relate to those struggles? Yeah, the struggle is real, and yet what if becoming like Jesus is not about eliminating the struggle, but embracing it? Think about that. What if the struggle is actually a sign of growth? I think we get defeated by the struggle. But what if the struggle means you're in the fight? Like you're, you're, you're actually moving in the right direction. 
Luke, the doctor and historian, tells of a powerful moment when Jesus slowed down, got alone, and struggled with God. It was the night before his crucifixion. He's struggling with what the Father had sent him to earth to do, and he prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. That's the struggle. Jesus struggled. His struggle was so deep that Luke goes on to say that Jesus said, or that Jesus was in anguish and he prayed even more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood. That's how much struggle he was experiencing. See, Jesus knew the plan. He'd been following the plan. He loved the Father. He loved the people that he'd come to save. But when it came time for that ultimate sacrifice, he struggled. And so if Jesus struggled, I'm asking myself this question, why would I be exempt, right? If Jesus struggled, he's our example of what it means to be fully human, then struggling should be a part of the human experience, right? It's in this place of struggle, I think, that God can um, change my heart and attitude and help me see things the way he sees things. In the struggle, God can give me courage when I'm scared or uncertain. It's in the struggle that God can strengthen me to move forward into the purpose he has for me. And in the struggle, we will be confronted with the truth of how things really are and ways we need to grow. And I think it's when we're honest and open to God that he can do his best transforming work. You see, if we fail to struggle, we will never be deeply formed. We will simply settle for being shallowly shaped. If we refuse to struggle, folks, we will never be deeply formed. We will simply be shallowly shaped. And I don't want that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for this community. Nobody becomes like Jesus without struggle. So how about those resolutions? Maybe not what you expected. Slow down, seek solitude, and struggle. You know, I, I really believe, folks, that 2022 is a year when Jesus is inviting us to those, to those practices, to truly slow down, uh, to practice solitude and to struggle. And I, I would love it if you would engage in those practices with us as a community as we journey together in the coming months. And you know, over the past few years, we've developed a sort of tradition here at Community that I think could be the perfect way for all of us to open ourselves up to the transforming work of God. And it's our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, when I say that, I know it sounds super scary. 21 days of what, right? Well, here's what I'm talking about. From January 10th, all right, so you have another week to actually think about this, pray about this, ponder this. We're going to ask God to form us into the image of Jesus, to become the kingdom community that he dreamed we could become. And so I want to invite you to these 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is going to stretch many of you, all of us, myself for sure too. But in order to create space for God to work in our lives, I want to invite you to two invitations, okay? Consider two invitations, all right? And the first one is this, to fast from something that will enable you to withdraw from the pace and noise of the world in order to be present with God, all right? Did you catch that? I want you to first fast from something. You know, might fast from food for, in some capacity or some kind of food for a season, you know, and use the time you'd normally spend preparing that food or eating that food to withdraw and be with God. You might want to fast from social media. You might fast from um, Netflix or whatever is your, you know, time taker upper of choice to create space in your life for God to do his work. And so the first challenge is to fast. Okay, I want you to think about that. The second is to fill. The second is to fill. Fill that time when you're fasting with a spiritual practice that will help you be more present to God's presence. It could be silent prayer. It could be scripture reading. It could be picking a special place where you just sit in stillness with God. 
whatever that might be, all right? Fast and then fill, fast and then fill. And I also want to invite you during this season to sign up for our Community Daily. I mention this quite frequently, but I'm really a believer in it. Community Daily, it's an email that arrives in your inbox every Monday through Friday before you even wake up. It's a short devotional scripture with some questions. During this 21 days, we're going to look at 21 questions Jesus wants to ask you. 21 questions Jesus wants to ask you that he asked others in his ministry. Where Each day we're going to reflect on that question and wrestle with how to answer it. And each one of those 21 days, we're going to have a special kind of bonus. One of our staff people will also uh, film a short inspirational video to go along with that devotional. But it's a great tool. You can find it in a number of ways, communitychristian.info. You can scan the QR code. I would love it if every single one, I mean, everybody who calls Community Lincoln Park, their church home, would sign up for the Community Daily. We can be doing this together. Folks, I think we have an incredible opportunity before us. And yeah, this is a weird season, you know. I think we had so much hope kind of coming into the new year. And, and I don't know about you, but I feel really off balance even today thinking about what lies ahead. But you know, as you're, you're here this morning, and I think you're here for a reason, for a purpose. I think God wants to do something really special in and through each and every one of you and in and through us collectively as a community. Yeah, I mean, the way of the world, folks, I mean, and I hope that doesn't sound in any way like I'm saying we're better than anybody. It's just the truth in this way. The way of the world, I mean, it, it wants to just suck you into its pace and its distractions and quite honestly, its shallowness at times. And as the kingdom community of Jesus, we have the chance to, to live differently. Does that, do you know what I'm saying? To, to, to live the way of Jesus, to really be fully human. So I just want to challenge you to let God do some work on you, wherever you might be in your journey. Look, um, you are welcome here. You are in the right place. And you may be just trying to figure things out, checking it out, not uncertain or uncertain about what's even happening. Lots of questions, lots of doubts. That's all good. You are here. We want you here for that purpose. We want to journey with you. We're going to challenge you, all right? But this is going to be a safe place for you to journey. I guarantee you that. But what do you say we become like him? We collectively become like him. So this community can change um, this community around us and our city and our our world and fulfill the mission uh, that Jesus has given each of us. All right, let's journey together. Let's pray. Father God, God, we come to you today and um, notice weird times, very, very strange times. And I think there's so much uncertainty and yeah, yeah, a little bit of maybe even a lot of a discouragement in some respects. God, we're hopeful as we face this new year. And, and God, I, I would ask that you would help us to, to truly look for opportunities to slow down, to be in your presence, to, to ratchet it back a little bit, to, to stop and look at where we're rowing and not just keep rowing. God, help us to seek solitude, those moments uh, in, in silent prayer where we can truly focus on you and, and accept maybe the boredom that we experience in those moments. And God, to just struggle and be okay with the struggle and recognize that the struggle reflects the fact that we're pursuing you and we're just trying to understand you more and bring more of you into our life. God, help us just to continue to, to recognize that it, you know, the only reason we have hope is because of you. It's not because we're better than anybody else. We've got things all figured out. It's just because we recognize that there's hope and and mercy and grace and peace and a community that can get us through anything life brings our way in you and your people. And so for that, we're thankful as we start this new year. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name.